Welcome to the Dag Heward Mills podcast. Dag Heward Mills is a healing evangelist, a best-selling author, and a mega church pastor. He's the founder of the United Denominations, originating from the Lighthouse Group of Churches, overseeing over 3,000 churches across every continent of the world. He pastors the First Love Church, a vibrant church in the city of Accra, transforming the lives of thousands of young people for the Lord. Now listen to Dag Heward Mills. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your blessings as you speak to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Luke chapter 4. Jesus did certain things, and then he taught certain things. Amen. Some of the things he did, he taught as well. Some of the things he taught, he did. And some of the things he taught, he did not have the opportunity to practice them. Because it's not all your teachings you can practice. What do I mean by that? For instance, he taught about marriage, but he did not marry, so he never had the chance to practice that teaching. The teaching about divorce. He taught about what divorce was and what... It is not right to divorce, and the only condition on which a person should divorce, but he himself never married, so he could never have the opportunity of of, uh, living a life where he was either going to stay married or start by getting married and then get divorced. Are you there? So it's not everything that someone teaches that he will be able to do because of his life. Everybody has a limited number of experiences you can have in your life. Amen. There are some teachings which would not apply. You know, there are some teachings for older people. Jesus was not old. He was very young. He died as a very young person, and so on and so forth. So, uh, and also there are some of the things that he did do that he didn't teach at all. No, no, not a word. Uh, Not a word came from him about those things. And yet some of those things were the most powerful things that he could ever have done. But he didn't teach them. You wonder why. And um, I think that we need to learn what Jesus did and what he said. In the Gospels, the four Gospels, these are the four Gospels which were selected by the founding fathers. Are you with me? And they were selected as the principal teachings about the life of Christ. Amen. And they were selected because it was thought that uh, they were the most reliable and um, they were the most important. Amen. So, there are other gospels written by other people other accounts of what Jesus did. And, uh, but these are the authentic ones which we accept in the church. Amen. Amen. There are many other stories about Jesus, for instance, that he carried water in a cloak, that he, um, his father would make a table and it wasn't straight and he would straighten it Miraculously. <laughs> and that um, he would stretch 
wood into the desired length. You know, make it longer. You know, <laughs> are you there? And that um, he would make birds and animals of clay and then like a little bird and then give them life and they'll start to fly. Yeah. You believe it? <laughs> and um, that um, he, 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 there was a one story where they said he got angry with a, a boy who was on the street and he caused the boy to die. And, um, and that when their parents complained, they were made blind. Are you listening to me? Yeah. And uh, there were other miracles that were spoken of about uh, lepers being cleansed when they washed themselves with water that Jesus bathed with. You know? And um, other stories of Jesus widening gates. He's a gate and he widens it miraculously. And um, making things smaller, and um, other stories of him changing people into animals and then changing them back <laughs> from animals into human beings. <laughs> so, there are many, many, many stories about what Jesus did, and there were many people who wrote different accounts. Are you listening? And um, all sorts of things. But uh, these four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, are the authentic accounts that we accept. And the founding fathers accepted as the things that Jesus began to do and to teach. Amen. Amen. Are you with me so far? I've almost finished preaching. Today is a short message. So, the things that we have, that he did, and that he taught, are things that we need to look at closely and learn from. And we'll really be blessed. I can tell you, the Bible says that Jesus Christ is the express image of God. And that means if you want to see God and know God, then look at Jesus. Jesus Christ was... His mind was 100% heaven. His mind was on heaven 100%. And on earth 0%. That's why he didn't marry. Because he didn't need to marry anybody. He didn't value the additions that marriage would bring to his life. They were too transient and too insignificant for him to complicate his ministry by becoming attached to somebody. Already having a mother was complicated enough. Having an association with Joseph, the carpenter, was already a complex issue that he had to handle. How much more if he was to have 
somebody who was supposed to be his sweetheart. How many realize the thing is, will become very complex? Who would the person be? Are you listening to me? So, Jesus, his mind was on heaven. And so he allowed himself to be beaten, crucified. I was watching the Passion again. And you can only come to the conclusion that his mind was on something. You know, anytime you see somebody who's acting a little abnormally, when I say abnormal, it's like not the, he's not following the behavior which most people would go on. You find that this person is under the influence of something or he's thinking about something. You get it? I heard of a, a doctor who was um, living in England and uh, he was so sad and depressed because he had not been able to accomplish certain things. He wanted to kill himself. And I think he tried over there. And eventually he came here and then he did succeed in killing him. So he killed himself in somebody's hotel and apologized to the manager for killing himself in his hotel. And, but he still killed himself. And uh, why would somebody who has become a doctor kill himself? Do you see? I mean, even if certain things didn't work out, your future is far brighter than the future of many people. So why end everything? It's because he was thinking about certain things. His mind had gone on a certain line. And, and that line is what sometimes we call depression. He was depressed. His thoughts were sad. How many have had sad thoughts before? His thoughts were moody. You know, his thoughts were dark and darkened. It's good that sometimes we don't have a ticket to heaven that we can go and check in at any time. Because if these tickets were there, many of us would go and check in and uh, we take our bags and then you, you go out of this world. <laughs> so you realize that as you go through life, you always meet some people who look who behave a little different. And it's because they are their minds are on something. And their minds have caused to be been caused to be on something because of something. I once met a student friend of mine. He was on the games field in Achimoda School. And um, he had taken off all his clothes. He had taken off all his clothes. And uh, <laughs> he, was, he was laughing and talking to people. And he realized that his, his mind was on something. <laughs> and his mind was on something because he was, he was drunk. He had taken in alcohol. And um, alcohol, people drink alcohol sometimes to make themselves think in a different way. Do you understand? To, to go off the real things that they have around them. Some people say to forget your trouble, but they don't just forget. Their mind goes on a different direction. And um, they, they think differently. 
you have uh, people who are very quiet. They can go to a party, drink a little, and then they take over the party. <laughs> and a normally very quiet person is cracking jokes, entertaining everybody sitting on the table, conducting games and doing also. By the morning, he cannot remember what happened. Because he came under the influence of something. Now, recently, people have been calling or describing depression, which makes us think in a negative way. They've been calling it a chemical imbalance. They've noticed that when certain chemicals change their levels in your blood, you start to think a certain way. So that in itself should tell us that your thoughts are not just from what happens all around you, but some of your thoughts are from internal chemical processes within your physical body. So not all the thoughts that come to you come from things around. Like I'm sitting in church and then I'm thinking about my food and I'm happy. I'm thinking about this and I'm happy. Some of the thoughts don't have origins in things you can see. Are you with me? Some of your thoughts are not from things you can see. Some of the thoughts that are coming to you and ideas you have come from an unidentified source. It's making the thoughts come to you. Are you with me? And uh, what concerns us today is the fact that some of the thoughts that can be in your mind can come from the Holy Spirit. The presence of the Holy Spirit can give rise to a certain kind of thinking. And the absence of the Holy Spirit can give rise to a certain kind of thinking. And it's not related to anything here or there that you can see. For instance, I'll give you an example. Have you noticed sometimes you have a lot of problems? You come to church. By the time church is over or in the middle of church, you are very happy. Your problems are still there. Every bad thing that you brought to church or that you came walking into church with is still there. In fact, maybe it's even growing bigger. But you are now happy. It's called the peace that passes understanding. And that comes from what we call the influence of the Holy Spirit. And that is why when people stay away from God and from church, they hurt themselves. Because the reason why you are sad is because you don't know that many others like you have the same problem or worse. Only that your reaction to the problem is to become so sad. And thank God for the church. If it were not for the church to ameliorate some of the difficulties that have been caused by the way our nation is. You get it? I don't know what we would have done. Are you listening to me? So, what is going to lead you? What is going to direct you? What is going to bring certain thoughts to your mind? Is it just 
The need to pass exams is going to make you decide to pass an exam. Sometimes there is something else that drives and motivates us, guides us. There are times that I have preached to people, trying to get them to come to Jesus. And I realize that there is an influence on them. And they cannot, they are, they are being presented. Sometimes I, I, I ask myself, why wouldn't anybody want Jesus Christ? What bad thing has Jesus done, would he do, is he doing to anybody? Why would you continue and persist in your life going to hell? Why? And I always remember this. If you see a man driving at top speed on this road here, all the way to the beach, and when he gets to the main road, he doesn't stop, but he continues at top speed towards the beach, crossing the road without caring whether there's a car or a truck or anything coming. And he's going full speed. You must immediately begin to think that this person behaving in an unusual way is thinking about something. And whatever he's thinking about is being caused to think those thoughts by something. Alcohol, drugs. You see, as I'm preaching, there are thoughts that come to my mind. You see, some of those thoughts are not in the normal train of thought. They come from somewhere. Many thoughts and ideas that are in your mind come from a spiritual place or a spirit. There are times that I have felt that there are angels or an angel around when I'm ministering. There are times that I hear something and I know that I have to say it. Are you listening to me? So some of your thoughts don't come from your school or your job or the people. But they come from a spiritual source altogether. The doctors, of course, are trying hard. Some say chemical imbalance. But behind the chemicals, there are spirits. And in Luke chapter 4, I'm talking about the things Jesus began to do. And Jesus being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan. Amen. Where are you supposed to return from, my sister and my brother? Under the influence, you will return from certain places. Under the influence of the Spirit, there are some places you will retreat from. Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Huh? From Jordan to the wilderness. I'm talking about Jesus Christ. Be filled with the Spirit. The way his thoughts were going, he moved rather from a developed place like Jordan and went to a wilderness. And so as such a person is not under the influence of normal things that normal people are. That's what I'm saying. That You see, when you are under the influence of the Holy Spirit, you will not be an ordinary person. 
Never. Your life will always be different. Just as if there is a driver under the influence of some drug or under the influence of alcohol, he will be a different kind of driver. He'll be a driver okay, but his driving will look quite different. If you are under the influence of the Holy Spirit, you'll be moving okay, but your movements, even the pattern, where you go will be different. When Lighthouse began at a point, we started churches, London, New York. One day, the Lord spoke to me and told me certain things which I don't want to say because of the graphic description I may use, which may not be palatable to you at this time in church. But what he showed me of myself, that I had degenerated into something that he did not like. And then he showed me that now I could not send anybody to a place that was not like London, New York, or San Francisco, or Chicago. I couldn't send people there. And that all of us were now, we only go to places where there is some financial or social improvement. You understand? And that even though I had gone through certain things myself and would do it, I wouldn't want to send my children there, my spiritual children. Are you listening to me? Or you don't understand what I'm saying? It's like I can send you to San Francisco. I can send you on a mission to New York City. I can send you to Chicago. I can send you here. I can send you there. But I can't send you to a village. I can't. And I wouldn't. And I can't send you to some forsaken, God-forsaken town. And the Lord showed me because now my mind was on something else. And it happens easily. But the Bible said Jesus was full of the Holy Ghost. Now his walking patterns had changed. And the places he was living and the places he was going to were different. He was leaving places like Jordan and he was heading to places without civilization. He was heading to the bush. He was heading for the hills. He was heading away from prosperity. He was heading to the, in the natural, in the natural, a wilderness. He was going down the social ladder. Socially, he was going down. You may ask yourself that when somebody is at least at a certain level and you are not even too high, if you wouldn't mind maintaining your position, it wouldn't be bad. But why go down? Why lower yourself? But as he was full of the Holy Ghost, and then not just full, but now being led by the Spirit, he found himself going from Jordan to the wilderness. I have found as Lighthouse is growing, as the churches are growing, and so on, more and more, I find my interest and the direction towards poor places and away from, I mean, if you ask me to start a church in Copenhagen or Norway, I don't even have the interest. 
But if you want me to start a church in Nigeria, I have an interest. If you want me to start a church in any poor country of Africa, I have an interest. Togo, Benin, I have an interest. But if you say I should start a church in a, a, a where? North Carolina or, I mean, the interest, I'm not saying that we shouldn't and we won't, we will, but I find myself being drawn towards things that are in the natural, not as impressive and as great, because I'm being, I'm being led by the Spirit more, I'm more, I'm fuller of the Holy Ghost than I was then, then I was full of impressions and of the little success that we had. And I couldn't send. And I couldn't go. But Jesus could go to a wilderness. He could go to darkness. God was leading him. I want to say something to you. You just keep it as a sign. Just put it in your heart. Put it in your heart. Okay? Will you keep it in your heart? You don't have to agree with it because it will not be easy to bite. There are some pieces of meat it's not easy to chew. So just, sometimes you have to even take it out of your mouth and cut it up a bit. But please don't throw it away because it's for you. It's good meat. Sometimes you just swallow it. If the Holy Spirit really fills you, and you ever become really full of the Holy Spirit, and ever become really led by the Holy Spirit, your life will be different. You will look quite unusual. Yeah, you will be quite different, if not abnormal. I know you will not like to be abnormal in Accra society. Yeah. I know you will not like to be abnormal in Accra society. The society of Accra. I know you will not like to be abnormal. But you just write it somewhere. Keep it in your heart and remember that in the day that the Holy Ghost takes over, if you are a businessman, you will be quite different from businessmen. So, so, so different that you, you may wonder. If you are a pastor and the Holy Spirit is leading you, you may be quite different from other pastors who are not being led by the Spirit. If you are a teacher, you'll be quite different. If you are a politician, you would be quite different. In fact, if you are a politician who is being led by the Spirit, I think we'll have quite a different kind of politician. Your campaign, when you are campaigning for presidency, may be quite different. You may not have 5,000 and 10,000 to give to people. And you may not promise them anything. And you may not criticize Somebody who really you admire. But if you are a politician who is influenced by the Holy Spirit, you will be different. Because Jesus was different. When somebody says, where are you going? Wilderness. <laughs> where is wilderness? So over there. Who is staying there? So I, I don't know anybody there. You don't know anybody there? In the wilderness? Listen, some of you have not been to Israel before. Next time you watch the news, eh, please remember what I'm saying. Sometimes I tell you these things. I don't know if you do that. When you watch the news, look at the buildings in Israel. You will see Israel on the news by very soon. 
You see that the color, because they're always doing something there that affects us. The color of the buildings is a certain light brown. It's a certain, yeah, a certain light brown, like clay. It's a desert. Now, for somebody to say who is staying in a desert-like area, saying, I'm now moving into the wilderness. Now, somebody will see him after, after he has been walking for seven days. And he's now deep in the wilderness. Hey! Who is that? A man alone. What is he doing? Only madmen are alone like that in the wilderness in the night. Except Jesus. You see, when you are following God and you are being led by the, at times you will look like you are mad. Oh yeah. I remember one brother was telling us the other day. He said he was going to church. At that time he was a laboratory student. Or whatever, on the ward. I don't know what he was. And then his professor asked him, Professor of Pathology, he asked him, what are you going to do after work today? He said, I'm going to church. He said, church? And he said, which church? And he said, lighthouse. And the professor asked him that. Who is the pastor of lighthouse? And he answered, Doug Heward Mills. Now when he said Doug Heward Mills, this professor, whose name I declined to mention, began laughing. <laughs> and he laughed and laughed and guffawed. <laughs> and then he, the young man asked him, Sir, why are you laughing? And he continued to laugh. Then he asked a question, he asked him, he said that, Doug Heward Mills. Is he normal? Is he normal? And he said, he's normal. He's normal. Why do you ask whether he's normal? He said, he's normal. Then he asked him, he said, does a normal person behave like that? Starting a church years ago, I looked like a madman. So did my Jesus, who went into the wilderness. You see him... Two weeks. Jesus, what are you doing here? Are you having a picnic? Are you talking to somebody? Who are you talking to? <laughs> Who are you to? You are talking to yourself. You are talking to yourself in the desert. Under a tree. Have you eaten Jesus? Jesus, will you not marry? You are 30 years old. No, 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 I'm going to the wilderness. Ah, formerly you were staying around Jordan. I saw you at a church service, you were baptized. Where are you now? Wilderness. Hey. What Jesus began to do and to teach. You will look different. Some of you are so concerned about looking the same. Want everybody to like you. Do you like me? Can I be, can I come to you? We don't want to be different. You may be a banker. 
And you can be a very different kind of banker. You may be a lawyer, but you can be a very different kind of lawyer. And those who are under the influence of demons are also very different. And you can also see that their lives are completely different. So you can choose today whether you want to be like everybody or you want to have your life under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Now, as for whether you, when your life is under the influence of the Holy Spirit, it is not a matter of being, hearing voices all the time. Go here, come, sit up, sit down. No, even your normal thinking, when you are under the influence of the Holy Spirit, your thought processes, the way your mind works, changes. That's what I'm trying to say. When you are under the influence of alcohol, you don't hear voices. Your mind changes. Your thinking, your line of thought changes. And that is all that happens when you are under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Your general thoughts, how you think and the decisions you make are all different because there is a spirit upon you. And that spirit makes you think and go in a particular way. Jesus went, as, and you see, he was totally under the influence of the Holy Spirit. That's why you don't see a mixture. You don't see him marrying a bit and then doing the ministry a bit. You don't see him sacrificing up to a point and then up to a point. He died. He died on the cross. He gave his life. He ended his life at the age of 33. He sacrificed. He said, no one takes my life from me. I lay it down. There was no, you see, we are full of percentages. We are percentage led by the spirit, percentage led by demons. If you read Rejoiner book, you see demons sitting on Christians, attacking them, guiding them to do all kinds of things. Sometimes we are led by demons and sometimes we are led by the spirit. Just like Jesus told Peter when he said, Heaven, uh, flesh and blood has not revealed it to you, but my father. Then the next moment he had to tell him, Satan, get thee behind me. Percentage being led by the spirit, percentage by demons, percentage by our minds. But Jesus was under the influence. That's why his decisions were so, his life was so different. So different. He was led down. He was led down. He, he taught humble thoughts. He preached and said, I am meek and I am lowly. How do you be meek and lowly when you are the son of God? And when you know, when you can call on angels to rescue you at any time. How do you be meek and lowly when men, men, mere men, stand and challenge you, spit on you and curse you? How do you be meek and lowly? Some other thoughts must be in your mind, which are not the normal thoughts of a normal person. That's not how we normally are. We will react. If somebody attacks Ghana from the Togo border, Ghana armed forces will arrive there and respond. There's nothing like, we love you in Togo. No. When, I've got, when, they, when they bombed uh, the World Trade Center, that was a sign that by all means, by the ways of the world, there will be revenge. And that is why Afghanistan was targeted. And they were bombed. But that is not a new thing. In history, when America was bombed, Pearl Harbor was bombed by the Japanese. After the bombing of the Pearl Harbor, they gathered themselves together. They went to war. You get it? And then they also planned a special attack. 
where they sent planes flying on a long distance to bomb Tokyo. And then after that, they bombed Japan. You come to kill 2,000 of our people? Huh? They bombed, the, they put the nuclear bomb on them directly, burnt them. They burnt them in their cities, two cities. They burnt everybody. You come to our town to come and burn us, we will burn you. Eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. That is not how the Holy Spirit works. When they slap Jesus, he said, forgive them. When the Pharisees stood there, the pastors, and they were so, so wrong, so legalistic, so full of wickedness, having exchanged him for Barabbas, having had Pontius Pilate, a Roman governor, asking for a possible release, just discuss it's a religious dispute. It's a religious dispute. You can sort it out between yourself. They said, no, 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 no. He's a criminal. Execute him. Jesus was quiet. What was he thinking about when he was quiet? Why didn't he want to be released? He was thinking about something. What made him think about that something? The presence of the Holy Spirit on his life. It's the Holy Spirit who makes you. Some of us, we are bound by foolishness. And there is a foolish spirit on us and that is why our decisions are constantly foolishness that constantly lead us there's a spirit called belly yahal or belial it means worthlessness a lot of businessmen have that spirit that spirit leads your life like this you get everything and you lose everything many many businesses businessmen politicians what are their their life are like this they get everything and they lose everything. They get a lot of money and they lose a lot of money. If you go into the wealth center, you will see. I was talking to one millionaire. He said, I lost everything. He said, today sometimes I can be in need of $100,000. I don't know where to get $100,000. He said, and I have to pray. And pray for God to send that money. He said, I, I was a multi-millionaire. I used to travel on... I used to hire jumbo jets to go and see my girlfriend. But you see, as you are prospering, then he said, all my colleagues were taking drugs. I also decided to take drugs. All of them were smoking cigars, so I also started smoking cigars. All of them were drinking alcohol, so I started drinking alcohol. That's the spirit of belly have, which makes you think in a certain way. So as you acquire and acquire and heap up, it makes you worthlessly lose everything. So sometimes you see people who have had a lot of money, they don't have anything. You see businesses which had a lot of money, and now they are greatly in debt. It's the spirit of worthlessness on a person. And it makes you think in a certain way. Sometimes we, had, we are in church, we had everything. And then we, a certain spirit of useless that comes on you and you lose everything you have in church. Oh yes. I know many businessmen who look like they are prosperous but they are actually very poor. They don't have any. Because the spirit of belly ahal is guiding them. They don't even know. They think they are into business. They think they are doing certain things. Before you realize, you realize that the person is empty and bankrupt. So, ladies and gentlemen, Jesus Christ allowed himself to be led, influenced by the Holy Spirit. I tell you, whether you are a businessman, whether you are a doctor, whether you are a lawyer, if you are a doctor, one of the 
easiest ways to make money or one of the, the lucrative aspects of business as a doctor is to do abortions. Because many people do not know how to use contraceptives and they have sex accidentally or incidentally or coincidentally or they just have sex. They get pregnant. And so many people are pregnant and they don't want the pregnancies. And they always want a place you can walk in quietly, get rid of the pregnancy and come home and then that's the end of it. They want somebody to do that. And like some people have said, there is a lot of money in the pelvis of a woman. If you want it, you can be that way and you can be through the blood, you'll be collecting the money. Through the blood, you'll be collecting. But if you're a doctor, a medical doctor, and you are filled with the spirit, you don't have to be killing children or babies and shedding innocent blood in order to be rich. Amen. Your mind works differently. Allow God to work on your mind. You will decide to be humble. You may be the great whatever you are, but because the Holy Spirit is on you, you become so humble. People would see you. You know, when I was in Seattle the other day, or even some other places, I was wondering, you see millionaires, and you see some of them so humble, moving around with a pastor, and moving around in the church. And you wonder, you know, that these people are so rich. And yet, you can't even see it on them. They are asking for scriptures. One day I was walking somewhere and then one person pointed at me. He said, you see these houses here? American houses. Oh, this, then he pointed, this man, he owns about 84 of these houses. As you see him walking here. And yet, you will see these people in church as though they are unemployed. Coming for prayer meetings as though they don't have anything to do. When I was in uh, Los Angeles... I had the privilege of preaching in a church with a lot of film stars. And right in the church was uh, Denzel Washington and his wife and his children. They come to church there. And they were there throughout the service and until after the service and they were there, you know, and so on. And you realize that as a film star, his mind is working a little differently from most of the other film stars. That's why he finds himself in church. And then he gets up and donates his money, $5 million. Then you ask yourself, his mind must be still working differently. Allow the Holy Spirit to work on your mind. Because if the Holy Spirit works on your mind, you will think differently. You will not think in another way. Of the way the masses think. And way the majority thinks. I know many of the thoughts that have come to my mind. And the way even my mind works. And as I sense myself longing for heaven... Longing for the things that I longing to succeed in getting to heaven as a as a goal. It's not that I'm now born again, but now after I've grown on in the Lord, my mind is if I can make it, if I can make it, then I know that this kind of thinking, because it's not it's not a normal. I'm not thinking of money. I'm not trying to get, but I, I find it useless. But I know that many people don't understand it and don't even believe it. I don't blame you. I don't blame you at all. Because in this world, the world, the ways of the world, Bible calls the prince of the power of the air, who influences the children of disobedience. The whole world is going in a certain way, thinking that the more we have, and the more things we acquire, and everything, that is success. But it's not. That's not our Savior's idea of success. 
Our Savior's idea of success was to please his master and to finish his will and to do his will and to do his work while he was here. And if it means I have to go to a wilderness, let's, yes sir. But the average pastor, you wonder whether we are under the influence of the Holy Spirit. If we are asked to go to a wilderness or to a place or even for prayer meetings, how many pastors go to pray? We are so busy. How many businessmen take time off to pray? At Aburi Gardens or Legon Gardens? Or at the beach? Are we under the influence of the Holy Spirit? If you are under the influence of the Holy Spirit, you see, don't take this, don't be offended by the message. You may not be like that. Just write it somewhere and then just keep it so that in case God may speak to you later, you understand what I'm saying? You'll not be annoyed with the message. And then you, you, before you realize, you understand it. If you were under the influence of the Holy Spirit, even though you're a businessman or you are a student or whatever, you will have time to pray. Including pastors. Full-time pastors. Many of us, we don't have time at all to pray. I'm talking about even full-time pastors. Lay pastors. How much more? Businessmen, lawyers, doctors, students. When I was a student, I had time to pray. Because, you see, I've been under the influence of the Spirit of God for some time. And that is how you see. Well, I said, you see, the person is different. Not in a different in the sense that you are a madman. You may look mad. And I have been associated with madmen many times. It's not only once I've been, I've been associated with madmen and deranged people many times. I don't mind the association if, if that is what God will is. I used to pray on campus, Reverend Saki. And I used to pray. I shout and he hears me shouting and then he comes. And then we, we are somewhere praying. Although I was a medical student in MB2, have a lot to learn. Very hot exams, discussions, this, that, that. Oh! And you see me walking, Pandalababa, Shabalabaya, Ebabaya, Dalababa, Dalababa. And I had 54 other classmates. Everybody's really learning, sleeping, sleeping early to get up at 3 a.m. and 4 a.m. to read some more of the microbiology or parastology or bacteriology or virology for the exams and the anatomy, histopathology and pathology. Oh, man. But I was out there. Madabaya, Ebabaya, Abaya. I remember one night I was coming home. I was went out to pray. I was so tired because at seven o'clock in the morning the bus comes to carry us to Kolebu. And you sit in the bus. By the time you get to Kolebu, you are tired. Then we start lectures, anatomy, laboratory, days, that, that, so many things. Till four o'clock, five o'clock, the bus comes for us. We sit on the bus, traffic from Kolebu to Legon. By the time we get home, 6.30, now we've arrived. Now people will go and eat by 7 o'clock. They finish. Now more learning, discussion, because exam the next day, different things. Discussion groups are meeting. When will you pray? Oh, you will never pray. But if you are being led by the Spirit, you may be quite different from your social group. You, you move to the wilderness. And I used to go. A shout for Reverend Saki was another. Then when he hears that, he just tells his roommate, I'll be back. Then he comes out. Then we meet and we shout. 
after discussions and everything, when everybody's gone to sleep, they were, one night I was so tired, so tired. I was just coming back. We had finished. You see, somebody says sleepwalking. You know, when you talk about sleepwalking, there are different types of sleepwalking, but I'm talking about walking, then you fall asleep, but you keep walking. I fell asleep, there was a pillar like this, and I walked straight into the pillar like that. Boom! When I hit the pillar, then I woke up, then I turned this way and I went through there. Because the way was straight, but I had deviated to the left of the road. Sleep praying. Never laugh at somebody you see sleeping. He was praying and he fell asleep. Never laugh at the person. God is watching the person closely. I said, God is watching you closely. I said, God is watching you closely. Sometimes God hears you on the way to the wilderness. Why there are no wilderness Christians today? Do you know how these churches were given birth to? They were given birth to in the wilderness. We were led by the Spirit into the wilderness to pray. Years ago at Legon Gardens. To the point where they began to call us apes and monkeys. To the point where they had to ban us from the gardens. We didn't used to go to the beach to swim. We went to the beach to pray. We went to stand on the beach to pray. And if you are praying at the sea, pray for strength and energy because you cannot hear your voice. You can only hear the voice of the waves. You can't hear. You just hear the sound of waves. You need the strength to be able to pray on the beach. We didn't go for picnic or swimming. We were under the influence of the spirit. Anybody who's under the influence of the spirit moves towards wilderness for prayer times and for time to be with God. Jesus was an established carpenter, but he was going into the wilderness. He was thinking, moved away from Jordan to the wilderness. Don't be offended by what I'm saying. What I'm saying is for you to follow your savior. How many have a savior? Is your savior Jesus? Do you want to be like Jesus? Do you want to be like your savior? The Bible says, and Jesus being full, full, not full of akmele, full of banku, full of keke, full of rice, full of the Holy Ghost. He returned from Jordan. Perhaps you are supposed to return from certain places that you have gone to because you are full of the Holy Ghost. And he was led by the Spirit to the wilderness. Today's charismatic church, if a pastor is led to a wilderness situation in his life, people will say, God, God has left him. God is no more with him. Because everybody, you see, is walking alone as a madman. You see, there were certain signs in the family. We saw them earlier on when he was coming up and so on. Look at the man there. I hear for the last one month, he's at uh, this place in the wilderness with no water, no water. You see him under coconut trees, pooping under coconut tree. Oh, oh. You wouldn't have joined his church. You wouldn't have joined his church. You wouldn't have joined with him. You wouldn't have liked him. It would be too radical. But say, you see, you are, you are an extremist. You are a fundamentalist. You are radical. We don't want radical fundamentalists. We want normal people. Moderates. 
You play too much. You are, you are too heavenly minded to be any earthly good. No. Most of us are too earthly minded to be any heavenly good. Most of us are too earthly minded to be any use at all spiritually. We are too earthly minded. We are not aware of the influence of the spirit of God and of the spiritual powers that be. You say that the person is he's too spiritual. He's too spirit. You are too carnal. You are too earthly. You are too earthly minded. That's your problem. You are too earthly bound. That's the problem with your life. You are so earthly minded and earthly bound that you are of no good in the kingdom of God. You are useless in the church. You are useless for the real work of God because your mind is just down here. You say somebody is too spiritual. You see the person you call a spirit. You are carnal. We should call you carny or carnal. You see Jesus and you ask, where's your beloved? Tell him why you don't get you be spirit here, you be spirit. Yeah, yeah. You are the carnal person. All your mind is on everything you can get on. And that is why you are going to be disappointed. Because this life is disappointing. That's, a, that's even an understatement. Disappointment. will meet you milestone after milestone. Disappointment after disappointment. Heartbreak after heartbreak. You thought when you go to school, you, you'll be happy. You thought when I get a master's, I'll be happy. You thought when I get my PhD, I'll be happy. You thought when I get my house, I'll be happy. You thought when I get a car, I'll be happy. When I get a new car, I'll be happy. When I get a visa, I'll be happy. When I go to London, I'll be happy. No, no, I don't like London anymore. I want to go to the US. When you get to the US, you're not happy. No, I don't like it anymore. I want to go to Toronto. When you get to Canada, I don't like it anymore. I want to go to Australia. Still, you're not happy. When you get a husband, you're not happy. When you get a child, you're still not happy. What can make you happy? Jesus said, come and drink. Come and drink the living waters. He that drinks of that water will never thirst again. Why do you spend your money for bread which cannot satisfy? Amen. Listen to me. We are too carnal, earthly minded. To walk into a wilderness today. Unfortunately, some pastors joined. Some pastors came and preached and said, Those people who go to the garden shouting like apes, shouting like monkeys. And they ridiculed us. And the university authorities ended up banning Christians from going to pray at these places. You need to shout in the wilderness. I tell you, when you are under the influence of the Holy Spirit, you will be quite different from your contemporaries and people who are your colleagues. You'll be different. I said you'll be different. Today's charismatic church, if you were led into a wilderness type of a wild, wilderness means a wild place. And somebody will say, nah. Nah. God has left him. Why is there no water in his life? Why is there no accommodation? Why is there no this and no that? The reason why there is no this and no that is because through much tribulation, we enter the kingdom. Let me tell you, in heaven, your wounds and your troubles are a form of glory. That's why they boast about, spiritual people boast about their wounds. That's why Jesus showed his wounds. That's why when Paul was asked, who, who, who do you think you are? 
He said, who do I think I am? He said, I've been beaten 40 times. That's what I am. I've swam in the sea a day and a night. I've been lashed with stripes. I've been chased by robbers. I've been hungry. I've been thirsty. I've been in danger. That's who I am. I've suffered for God. I've suffered for Jesus Christ. Those are my credentials. Those are the stars upon my shoulder. That's who I am. That's Christianity. That's why Jesus showed his scars. And that's why the scars are still there. Rejoiner, he was, he met this eagle. And as he was talking to the eagle, he suddenly noticed some scars. And there was gold in the scars. And the eagle said, and some glory was coming. He said, yeah, these are the wounds that we have experienced. And the glory in my sense. In heaven, we boast about our wounds. Our glory. And Jesus, he said that these tribulations are working for you a far exceeding weight of glory. Every trouble, every difficulty, every wilderness are working for you an exceeding weight of glory. Ah, you see some people, parents, parents can keep you from obeying God. Parents can keep you from serving God. Friends can keep you from serving God. Education can keep you from serving God. Money can keep you from serving God. You are not qualified for that glory because you don't want to even experience the slightest amount of friction. No friction at all. Everything must be easy, 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 easy. Then he met the devil. And the devil said, you are hungry, Jesus. We all know you are hungry. You followed God, but you are hungry. How many people will follow God and when you are hungry, after following God, after serving God, it looks like you are now a hungry person. A hungry person. The devil will come and talk to you and say, you see now, you follow God and you are hungry. Okay, turn these stones into bread. You follow God and look at what has happened. You are so hungry. Nothing has worked. Hmm? You are hungry. You follow God and... Yes. One day I was with a, a, a certain pastor or he was somewhere and he was talking and he said, you see those guys? You see those guys? I told you they were not called by God. I told you, I told you. I told you they were not called. God hasn't called them. And I said, why? He said, you see, they are all walking. They don't have cars. Since when did a car become a sign? A sign that God has called you. That God is with you. Bible says in the last days there will come some supposing that gain is godliness. Gain is not godliness. Money is not godliness. Money is not a sign that God is with you. If money is a sign that God is with you, then God was not with Jesus. He followed the Holy Spirit and he became hungry. And then the devil said to him, change the stones into bread. Turn the stones into bread. Let me tell you, if you ask me, if you finish a fast and there are stones there, right, and you can turn them into bread, I personally don't see anything wrong with it. Turn, turn the stones into bread. But Jesus did. And I learned something from that. That even if it's a good thing, once it's the devil who suggested it, once it's, it's from a demon, and from a devil even if it's good don't do it once it's the devil who brought that idea 
of us, we follow things that come to our mind when we are under the influence of demons. When we are depressed and sad and demons are now ministering to you, then you start to take decisions. And start to take decisions for your life. When demons are God, there is a time when demons come to minister to you, just like demons came to Jesus to minister to him, turn it into bread. And Jesus knew that at this current time of difficulty, when there is no bread, I should take a decision, and the decision I should take should be what the devil is suggesting that I should make certain moves and turn the stones into bread, just because, just because. It is the devil, and I know that the devil is the one who is speaking, even though it sounds good. Just because it is the devil, I've decided that I won't do it. I won't do it. And you see, there's nothing wrong. That's why, and this song, we are the world, we are the people, we are the better. So let's start living as God has shown us by turning stones to bread. We can make a better day, just you and me. As God has shown us, by turning stones to bread. As God has shown us, by turning stones to bread. Did God turn stones to bread? You see, all of you sing the song, and you've heard the song, because it sounds right. Because when you think about it, why wouldn't you turn stones into bread? As God has shown us, by turning stones to bread, we can make a better day, just you and me. We are the world, we are the children. As God has shown us, by turning stones to bread, we can make a better way, just you and me. No, no. He didn't turn stones into bread. Michael Jackson and others, they thought he turned stone into bread. That's why they sung such a song. A song which is a lie, a song which is not true. Because it sounds good to everybody. As God has shown us, by turning stones to bread, we can make a better way, just you and me. <laughs> but Jesus took a decision. He said, just because it is you, the devil, who is bringing this idea to my mind, just because it is from you, I will not do it. He was influenced. His thoughts, his decisions. Then the devil took him to a mountain and showed him his, his vision. And he said, I've got a shorter, easier way. Easy way. Listen, just any time you see an easy way, put a flag there, a red flag, and just tell it's too easy. It's too easy. It's too easy. One day somebody called me. Long distance call. A white man. And he said, you know, your church needs a lot of money to do. So listen, we are going to give you so many hundred million dollars. I said, really? He said, yeah. Got a lot of money. So he said, all you need to do is to call this number. And this person is waiting for you to call. And when you call, 
This and this and that is, is going to happen. All right? I said, yes, sir. So I put down the phone. And I look at the number. And I said, it's, it's too easy to get hundred and something million dollars. So I took the paper. As God has shown us. It's too easy. There's nothing easy. Don't forget. Don't forget there's nothing easy. There's nothing easy. Too easy. To, to heaven? Easy? Too easy? <laughs> Question mark. Too easy. Too easy. Too easy. Question mark. Too easy. Red light, red flag. Somebody's husband, he likes me, he's rich, he's powerful. I'm gonna I'm gonna enter and when I when I join him, I'm gonna be Mrs. Mrs. Golden Sticks. And I'm gonna be you know <laughs> I'm gonna enjoy with Mr. Golden Sticks and we are gonna live happily ever after. Too easy, too easy, too easy to get a fridge, too easy to get a DVD, too easy. He just sleep with me and buy me a DVD. Too easy. Too easy. Too easy. He's promised to take me to London. Too easy. Too e- it's more difficult to go to London, no? <laughs> the route you are using is too easy. Red flag, red light. Oh, that's for me. I know I'm going to prosper. I'm not going to I will not go to school. I will not going to go to university. I just go to do computer. One year computer and I'm going to prosper. Too easy. Too easy. Red card, red flag, red light, anything red should be waving. Unless the red flag goes down. They said, Jesus, bow. Everything is, that's the end of your ministry. No more sweat, nothing. This is it, bow. Just bow. Now, everything. You said you want to save where? Ghana, Afghanistan, Nigeria, England. Oh, now I'll give everybody to, I'll take my, withdraw my control from them. I'm handing them everything to you. All the world come to die for the world. God so loved the world. All those things we've heard of them. This is just bow down. I give everything, I promise. Just bow. One, I did. But it's far shorter, far easier. You see, this crowd, the Pharisees, they are very wicked though. Pharisees, soldiers, they are going to beat you. Listen. Ah, too easy. Cannot be true. Amen. <laughs> then he said, I've got another idea. You don't want to turn stones into bread. You don't want to save the world. I've shown you a straight forward. Jesus, you like complicated things. Okay. We leave that. Use your powers. If you jump, you jump from here. Down. <laughs> and you jump down. Angels will come and carry you. Use your power. And Jesus said, I should use my authority. You see, when you are in a position of authority, 
and you have power, political power, financial power, spiritual power. You must never use it on the directions of demons. Some people come into power, financial power, and demons guide them what to do with the money. Jesus had power to call angels and other spiritual forces. And it's like the devil was now showing him how and when to use his powers. When God gives you power, be it spiritual, authority, financial power, what other kind of authority, don't use it under the influence of a demon. The demon will guide you. Some people have come into politics instead of using their influence and their power to help. He never turned it. He never used his power. What do you use your power for? Who is guiding the use of your power? Who is guiding the use of your influence? Who is guiding the use of what God has given you? Power. Use your powers. Use your powers. God has given me influence and power. What do I use it for? Mercy for me. What will I use it for? What will I use the influence, the power, the money, the control that I have on people's lives? What will I use it for? God will judge me for it. I pray that it will be merciful for me in the day of judgment. What has God placed in your hand, in your control? Pastors, workers. Hmm? The devil tells you what to use it for. You are also following when he tells you not to preach, you are also not preaching. When he sh- shoots an arrow in your heart, you don't want to preach again. Don't be discouraged. Don't let the devil tell you, how can the- God has given ability to preach. The devil has imparted discouragement into your heart. Now you say you won't preach again. Because the devil is now trying to tell you, don't preach. Since when did the devil guide you to use the powers that God has given you and the investment that God has made in your life? Since when? Preach it. Spirit of discouragement and depression and other things are now guiding you as to whether to open your mouth, whether to give, whether to help. I've helped a church before. I won't help another church again. And God has given you wealth and blessing. Since when the demons guide you, Jesus was under the influence of the Holy Spirit. And he followed God to be a different person. I see you becoming a different person. Stand to your feet. God bless you for listening to this message. Visit www.daghewardmills.org today for more audio and video messages, information on upcoming events, and so much more. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast to receive new messages every single day. And remember, God has not given you the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind.